name is Joshua Gilliland. I'm one of the two attorney bloggers on The Legal Geeks. Thank you for joining me today to talk about one of my absolute favorite shows of 2014, and that is Sleepy Hollow. Now, Sleepy Hollow has many legal issues where someone who's been dead for 250 years comes back to life, mysterious murders, police cover-ups because, hey, how do you say a headless horseman started killing people and not have the chief of police get thrown into the insane asylum? But the second-to-last episode touched on a very important issue with George Washington. In the episode, The Indispensable Man... We learned that the first president of the United States came back to life four days later after he died and helped draw a map to purgatory. Now, I normally focus on electronic discovery, so it's a little strange that I've spent a lot of time, thanks to Sleepy Hollow and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., researching how do we bury people medical experiments, and state of mind, and a whole bunch of other things because of being dead. So what does this mean? Well, the legal issue that I immediately saw, because again, I'm a history geek, and I actually spotted a mistake at the American History Museum at the Smithsonian when I was at uh, Bush II's second inauguration. And the issue with this is the first president's will is very clear on where he wanted to be buried. And in the episode, they have him buried outside of Sleepy Hollow. So let's take a look at Washington's will. So on July 9th, 1799, President George Washington wrote his will. It's a long read. It's available online if you want to check it out. And in the will, he talks about the family vault in Mount Vernon where different family members are buried. And in the will, he specifically states in which my remains with those of my deceased relatives now in the old vault and such others of my family as may choose to be entombed there may be deposited. And it is my express desire that my corpse be interned in a private manner without parade or funeral oration. So if we think about this, the writers were actually kind of clever in the way that when they thought about the will that Washington didn't have a giant public ceremony. This would also explain the later issue on why President Washington was not buried under the U.S. Capitol when John Adams, then president, requested from Martha Washington uh, to move the body there. And the little issue came up with, uh, look at his will. And they they didn't want to do it. So, But if it was done in secret and he said he didn't want a big ceremony or anything like that, that explains the resurrection of President Washington and putting on the zombie attire and drawing a map. So when we think about wills, we look at a testator's intent. Now, Washington died in Virginia, and that's where his will was executed. So Virginia law would control the interpretation of his will. And we have a very, very long legal history of going out of our way to honor people's wills. And when you think about a will and all the extreme stories that we have, like the Coast Guard cutter that sank in the Great Lakes, and the men in the engine room were trapped down there, and they, they actually wrote in paint on the bulkheads, 
their last will and testaments on what they wanted to happen that the divers then found after after the vessel sank. And we go out of our way to interpret this. Well, Washington's will states, I want to be buried in the family vault without any ceremony. How does he end up in New York? Well, a New York court would apply Virginia law because in New York, on the issue of how a body is disposed of is a question of law for New York law. So we do have this minor, uh, it's not really a conflict of law interest between New York and Virginia because New York law would control on disposing human bodies. That's in the public interest that you can't have another state come in and say, it's okay that you keep a body in the bedroom. We, we don't do that sort of thing. We have a bunch of health, health codes. So in New York, uh, New York law states that a testator may dispose of his or her body or direct the method or place of its burial, but he may not require that it be buried in an unauthorized place. So Washington ends up in this Masonic tomb in the middle of the woods, and since it was 1799, it's a safe bet that that was an authorized place in 1799, and it's still in the middle of the woods today, and whoever owned it in 1799 probably was not conflicting with any state laws at the time on disposing of a human body. Now, Washington is buried in upstate New York in this episode because he wants to be near where uh, all hell's going to eventually break loose, and therefore uh, Ichabod can find the body and the other information that's needed to help save the world. Well, the way around this, so Washington's second burial doesn't conflict with his will, would be a codicil being written. If the first president who'd been reanimated had the mental wherewithal to draw a map, he could have the wherewithal to do a codicil to his will, which could be a simple note saying, you know, please bury me the second time in upstate New York uh, so I can be near, the, you know, the purgatory and help save the day. And that's probably what would happen because if you're going to go to the extent of reanimating somebody and drawing a map to purgatory, you at least would have a lawyer on hand to be ready to be able to do this. Now, whether or not George Washington was of um, sound mind when he did that, that's a legal issue that hasn't been tested because we really don't see too many zombie presidents coming back and wanting to be buried in someplace new. Uh, that being said, I really, really appreciate the uh, writers of Sleepy Hollow tweeting out the blog post that I did on this. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, uh, pour, pull my forelock respectfully to uh, tip back to history. And uh, looking forward to season two. Now, some of you might be wondering, what was the mistake I saw at the Smithsonian about American history? In 2005, they had the presidential exhibit because it was presidential inauguration, and in it, it stated what ex-presidents did with their lives. And it stated that the only two ex-presidents elected uh, to serve in public office specifically were John Quincy Adams and Andrew Johnson. And 
they were right if they had just said elected to office because President John Quincy Adams was elected to the House of Representatives and served there for 18 years until his uh, death in 1848 when he had a stroke on the floor of the House on February 21st and then died in the Speaker's Chambers on February 23rd. But Andrew Johnson's a slightly different case. The Redeemer government in Tennessee did re-elect him to the U.S. Senate, but he died before taking the oath of office, so Johnson never served. So you cannot say that he served in the Senate after his presidential term because he died before taking the oath of office. Is that being very granular and legal? Yes, because you need to take the oath of office to have said office. Getting elected isn't enough. You got to get sworn in. And that, my friends, was the issue I saw at the Smithsonian in 2005. Thank you all very much, and thanks for tuning in.